July 27th, 2022. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin and Daf Sadi Vavamud Aleph. If you count down in the widest lines, nine lines down, and five words before the end of the line, the word Hane. Again, nine lines down in the widest lines. I guess if you go from where the lines widen at all, it's an extra three lines. So you're 12 lines down. And you're five words before the end of the line. The Gemara says, Hane Arba'a or Arba' Pesiot Maihi. The Gemara had referenced immediately before this that Nebuchadnezzar was involved with some sort of high quality four steps. And as a result, because of that, at least in Rashi's reading of the Gemara, his descendants, one of his readings of the Gemara, his descendants merited something, uh, something out of the norm from God. They were able to be individuals who were endowed with positive character traits, even though Nebuchadnezzar, we don't look at positively at all. He's the one who destroyed the Mikdash. So the Gemara referred to in its Derashah, the Pesukim in Yermiyah, some four steps of Nebuchadnezzar, which were supposed to be, so to speak, four steps in the right direction of honor of God. So the Gemara, what were they? Dichtiv, the Gemara will now spell out in the rabbi's uh, eyes what took place. Ba'etahi shalach merodach baladan ben baladan melech bavel sefarim umincha el chizkiyahu vayishma ki hala so the Pasuk describes how at that time, and the end of the Pasuk really fills in what's at that time. It's at the time that Hizkiah was cured. Hizkiah had this illness on, uh, during which it was certain he was going to die. He's miraculously cured. And after the curing, after he's uh, miraculously restored to his health, uh, so the king of Bavel, this individual Merodach, his name was Merodach. His father's name was Baladan. And interestingly, his middle name as well, the Gemara, the Pasuk tells us, is Baladan. The Gemara will, in a few lines, deal with that name specifically. But, says the Pasuk, he sends letters, or he sends a letter to Hizkiah at the time that he hears and he's notified about the healing of Hizkiah. It says the Gemara, what exactly was taking place? Again, the king of Bavel sent, sending a message to the king of Yehuda, to Hizkiah, after hearing about him being cured. Ki hala Hizkiyahu vayechezak shadar lesefarimu minha. Was it because after he became sick and was cured, for that reason it was appropriate to send him uh, uh, a message and a minha and a, uh, and a present? In other words, the king of Bavel found it appropriate at that time, more than others, to send a message, a letter and a, uh, and a present to the king. In, says the Gemara, indeed it's so. Why so? Why was it appropriate then? Gemara cites a pasukim divrei hayamim. Lidrosh hamofet asher haya ba'aretz. It's in order to inquire and to respect and give credence to the Mofit, to the miracle that God performed at that time period. What was that miracle? Not only the curing, but in the eyes of the rabbis, in the legend of the Jews over here, says the Gemara, there was something beyond just being cured that called attention to the king of Bavel. Uh, as to what's taking place with God's intervention with regards to Hezkiah. The Amar Biohanan, Otohayom Shemet Bo Ahaz Shetesha the Kihala Hezkiah, the Itpah, Ahadrinhu, Kuchabrihu, the Hanach Eser Shahe, Nihale. So the statement goes as follows. <coughs> the tradition is as follows that on the day that Ahaz dies, Ahaz was the evil and wicked father of Hezkiah, God truncated 
the daylight hours. There were only two hours so that, explains Rashi, he wouldn't have proper eulogies. Hespedim, here was an evil, terrible king to Am Yisrael. It's not appropriate that he be eulogized appropriately. In truth, some of the Rishonim point to the Gemaran of Memzayim, which told us in some way, shape, or form that if a person is not eulogized properly, it brings for them a sort of atonement, a sort of kaparasa. Maybe that's what was in mind with regards to Ahaz not having the time in the day for proper hesped eulogies. But, says the Gemara, furthermore, in the Rabbi Ohanan, those 10 hours, quote-unquote, which were cut out of the day on the death of Ahaz, on the day of the curing of his son Hiskiyahu, they were restored, which means that the daylight hours of that day were not just 12, but 22 hours. They have a derashah from the Pasuk. Before we read the derashah in the Pasuk, the understanding then is this called attention to the cure. It means that uh, Merodach, the king of Bavil, observing and realizing something changed with regards to nature on this day, inquires, he looks into it, what happened? He in turn finds out Hezgiah Melech is, is cured, is healed, he as a result realizes there's something significant, let me send a letter to him, let me send a present to him, he has something working in his direction, he has some momentum. So the Pasuk describes, I'm going to restore some sort of ten dials of the sundial, meaning of the daylight hours, which I took away from Ahaz. And the sun in turn is restored, this sundial, uh, those ten, da- ten ma'alot, those ten uh, uh, degrees, which was, um, which was taken away or which was removed in the time of Ahaz. So there's the legend, there's the vision of the rabbis. Amarle. Maihai, so says, uh, says uh, what's his name, says uh, Mirodach, the king of Bavil, as he realizes the day now has extra daylight hours, not understanding why, he says, Maihai, what is this? Amru le, his, uh, I guess his servants, the people, his advisors, tell him, it must be that this is representative of, this is bringing attention to the fact that Hezgiyahu was sick, and now this is a divine intervention which is bringing forth his cure. Amar says, Merodach, Baladan, Ben, Baladan, Ika, Gavra, Kihai. There, Ika, Yesh, there is a Gavra, a person like this. And I'm not going to, and I'm not uh, forced to, by definition, to give the proper respect, to send him shalom, to send him some sort of message and present. Uh, re- inquiring and dealing with his uh, his relationship with me, Kitvule send it and write to him commands Merodach, the king of Babel at this time period. Shalma lemalka chizkia, shalam lekartadi Yerushalayim, shalam leElaha Rabba. In this in this order, he sends. Please send to him, or he demands that it be sent to him. Uh, pieces to you, the king Hezkia. Pieces to you, the city of Jerusalem. Pieces to you, the great God. And of course, the order is a bit inverted. You'd imagine the great God would come first, and Hezkia would only come afterwards. Says Ben Yehoyada, Ben Ishchayin's commentary to the Gemara. It'll be significant in just a few lines. This is back to the conversation we briefly had yesterday with regards to the vision and direction of Avdeh Avodah Zarah, the way Harambam describes the history of Avodah Zarah. It's not a denial per se of deity. It's not an understanding in which the true God is non-existent. It's rather a confusion with regards to the modes and methods of 
worship, which means to say there's an understanding in Avodah, in classic Avodah Zarav, this is the true God, but his messengers, uh, the intermediaries, the mechanisms through which I'm going to attach myself to him, become deity objects as well. The objects of stone and, uh, and, and wood, which represent God in this world, the Chetaegel circumstance becomes in the, their eyes not just a, a mode of worship, it becomes the worship itself. As a result, the order is not so surprising with regards to his instructions, because his instructions go, the holy man who now has, you know, think about Christianity, for example, who now has taken on, in my mind, a peace of God himself, let him be mentioned first. Okay, that's the Midrash with regards to what took place. Nebuchadnezzar safre de baladan hava. Nebuchadnezzar was the scribe of the king at that time period. Uh, this is, uh, we saw Nebuchadnezzar already in the army of uh, Sanheriv a day or two ago. According to the rabbis, it means then Nebuchadnezzar is at least 150, 160 years old when he's conquering the Beit HaMikdash, when he's destroying it many years later. Uh, more than anything, that describes for us Midrashe Hazal, the words of the Hachamim, where their vision and their description and depiction to us is not meant to be telling us history per se. They're collapsing years, and they'll do that. Listen, the Talmud does that all the time. The Gemara has rabbis who lived hundreds of years apart from one another, speaking to one another. That sort of historiography, which we today are very careful about. We don't want that fake news. It'll be fake news if you were to describe it as such. In their mind, that was the insignificant part. Okay, so that's what's going to color the message that we want to get across. The significant part is the message over here, the lesson that we're going to portray, the understanding of the character and the circumstance and time period. That's why the rabbis don't even get nervous about the fact that they're mixing years and collapsing them as such. Says the Gemara over here, Amar lehu karitu le. Um, so the, excuse me, so Nebuchadnezzar is safre de baladan hava, ha'isha ata lahava hatam. For whatever reason, at that time period, as Nebuchadnezzar is, excuse me, as Merodach uh, uh, is, is, is demanding, is commanding that this letter be written, Nebuchadnezzar is not present to, to write it. So someone else is taking his place and writing it. Ki when he arrives, wherever he was, Amar Lehu, he turns to the people who wrote the letter, or were involved with it, and he asks them, Hechikatavitu, how'd you write it? Could you tell me what you wrote? Amru Leh, they respond to him, we wrote it as follows. In other words, the words that we just read a moment ago. Amar lehu, says Nebuchadnezzar to them, karitu you described, you portrayed God as elaha rabbah, the great God, vekatvitu lebasof, and you mentioned him, the God, at the end. Now, Ben Yehoyada, in this context, Ben Ishai points out, what's with the name? It's like, you called him that? He's just nervous about the ordering. What's about the name? He suggests that if the name was that God is Eloheha Elohim, for example, he's the God of gods. All right, so then I understand putting him at the end. It means that, so to speak, the lower tier God was mentioned earlier, the Chizkiah, and then you're mentioning him at the end, the God of gods. Alternatively, if you're describing him as the great God, which seems to uh, mention him as the only only God, so then it doesn't make sense to have Chizkiyahu first. And that's why he takes issue with the order. Either way he slices it, he, as a result, wants to change the order. Amar, excuse me, Amar He says, rather, it should be written as follows. Shalam le'elaha rabbah. 
first and foremost mention peace to you, the great God, and then mention the city of Jerusalem, and then, and only then, that's the command. Now, Nebuchadnezzar has it right. I mean, ironically, Nebuchadnezzar understands something that others don't with regards to appreciation of true God, of worship of God, of respect of God. That's the reference that we had until now, that there was something positive that was spark of sanctity, of understanding of truth in Nebuchadnezzar. Amre Le, the, uh, the others who were involved with the initial writing, turned to him and said, but the letter's been sent out already, so wise guy, scribe of the king who was absent, Karyana di Igarta ihu lehave parfavnaka. Uh, the uh, karyana, the, the proper reader of Igarta, of the letter. In other words, you, who needs to proofread the letter, you, who knows how to properly phrase and craft a letter of, uh, of the monarchy, you should be the parvanaka, you should be the, uh, the messenger. In other words, go, go fix this. So you weren't present, we messed it up, you should be the one to fix it, you should now be the messenger to fix the letter and to deliver it to Hizkiah. Rahat batre so Nebuchadnezzar now runs after the messengers. Again, what's the circumstance? We're sending a letter to, to uh, Hizkiyahu, that's Bavel, Merodach, the king of Bavel. In the letter, the order is inverted, and Nebuchadnezzar wants to fix it for the honor and the glory and uh, sanctity of God. He's running now after the messenger to fix the letter, Kiderahit Arba Pesiot, as he makes his first four strides, that's the four strides we mentioned earlier, Ata Gavriel Gavriel, the angel comes and <coughs> stops him. Before we go onward, that's the description. Herein is the description of the proper direction of Nebuchadnezzar, of that spark of truth, of his ability to <coughs> recognize God's sanctity and to properly give him that kavod, that honor and glory. Says the Gemara, that stopping of Nebuchadnezzar in context, which we're envisioning as some sort of out-of-the-norm circumstance where the angel comes and stops him. Amar biohanan ilmale ba Gavriel had Gabriel not stopped him, had he been able to properly change it and shift what it says in the wording, we wouldn't have stood a chance, we as Am Yisrael, because God, so to speak, would not be able to defend us against them if Nebuchadnezzar has the proper honor. You know, it's reminiscent of Yadashor Koneu, Vahamorevus Be'alav. My nation doesn't know how to properly respect, but the others do. That's what would have been the reality, but he stopped. But that's the vision, that's the legend of these four steps, these four strides of Nebuchadnezzar. It says the Gemara, what's with the name, parenthetically? Merodach, he was Baladan ben Baladan. Now, see, the Gemara didn't know SY Jews, and as a result, the Gemara asked this question. They didn't realize that we give middle names as the father's name all the time. But the Gemara is questioning this. And ultimately speaking, the Gemara will praise this. The Gemara will see this as a positive. Look at the honor that he had for his father by giving that middle name, which means that our precedence, our uh, heritage on this might go back to Merodach Melech Bavel. How do you like that? Says the Gemara, my Baladan ben Baladan. The rabbis envision that as being very strange. His middle name or his second name is the same as his father's name. Answers the Gemara, Amre, it was a complicated situation. Baladan Malka Hava. His father, Baladan, was the initial, was the original king of Bavel. And his face got changed. Vahava and it then looked like a uh, dog, a kelp. Uh, 
that was apparently uh, insufficient or in, in, uh, inappropriate for the king to have a dog's face at this point. And so he's demoted and his son is placed in his stead. What's with the dog's face? Not fully clear. There is a Gemara later here in our Pedic which talks about the generation before redemption being the Pene Hador will be Kepne Kelev, which means to say the face of the generation will be like the face of the dog. Another one of these references to the dog. I once heard an interesting explanation from Rabbi Elchanan Wasserman. He said that a dog, when you look at a dog and you watch its owner and you're a little child who doesn't understand what's taking place, it appears as if the dog is leading the owner. And just look at it. The dog is in front and going. It's only when you get to the corner, you get to the fork in the road, that the dog's face turns around to look at the owner, the master, and that's when you understand who's actually directing this. If you look at the pene hador, the leaders of the generation, they're pene kelib, and they're really just having the face of a dog. It doesn't mean they have an ugly face per se. It means they're led by the people. It means they put on a face as if they're leaders, but ultimately speaking, they're really just being pushed around by what the masses want, by what's most popular. That's the vision of the terrible last generation before redemption. In turn, I wonder if that's the same description over here. Rabbi Wasserman would probably extend it to here. It means he was unfit to be the king because he didn't know how to audaciously, courageously stand up for what he knew was the proper direction. He needed to place his son in his stead instead of giving a physical demonstration of his face. Anyway, says the Gemara onward, Havayativ bere al malchuta. His son, in turn, that's Merodach, uh, took over for him. Ki hava ketiv, hava ketiv sheme, u sheme de avuha baladan malka. Okay, so, so the Gemara says, and as a result, when he was, uh, when, when he would write his name, when his name would be mentioned, he took on his father's name, meaning uh, baladan. So he wasn't only known as Merodach, but he was known as his father, Baladan Malka, as well. Answers says the Gemara, Hainu Dichtib. This is what it means when the Pasuk says, Ben Yechabed Av. The Eved Adonav, the Pasuk says that a child, a son, will respect their father, Pasuk in Malachi, and the slave, the servant, will their master. Before we deal with the second half of that Pasuk, the Eved Adonav, says the Gemara, Ben Yechabedav, Hadamaran. This is a demonstration of the child knowing how to properly respect and give honor to their father by taking on the name at a moment where it's appropriate, continuing the legacy, if you will. Strange thing here in the Gemara. We're all of a sudden praising Merodach. Merodach is one of the earlier generations who, I know he sent a proper message to Chizkiyahu, but it's only because he saw something positive in Chizkiyahu. That's who we're deriving our messages. The truth is, if you read the Pasuk in Malachi in its entirety that the Gemara is playing with over here, of the Ben Yechabed Av, that the child will give respect to their father, the son to the father. The Pazu continues and it says, you see, you know how to respect your father, you know how to respect your master, you don't know how to respect me. It's supposed to be couched by the rabbis in the context of, look at how others know how to give proper respect and learn how to do that to me. Notice in your own life how you know how to respect people of authority, people in your family, people of means in some way or another, and then in turn understand the way you can direct that. So the Gemara isn't just quoting the says, look at the greatness of Merodach the Gemara, alternatively, is suggesting this as a Musar to us. Understand, notice, he gave the middle name, again, not so novel to us, but read this Gemara with an Ashkenazi, read it outside of the community, everybody would be out of their mind. He had middle name is the father's name, it's the strangest thing in the world. Whereas for us, if you know, if you have a name like me, where the middle name is not the father's name, you think I'm the strangest in the world. Anyway, says the Gemara, that's who Merodach was, in turn, that's, and says the 
Gemara, okay, but the, last, the second part of the Pasuk, the second part of the beginning of the Pasuk is, adonav, and the slave respects their master. What's that a reference, quote unquote, to? How can we envision that through this storyline as well? That not only the child, but the slave to its master gives respect. As the Pasuk says, we're going to go further in our Derashot with regards to this last generation before the destruction of Mikdash. Vayisrof et bet Hashem ve'et bet ha-melech. Says the Gemara Nebuzaradan. He was the general of the Nebuchadnezzar. This is the king of Babel who's ultimately speaking going to destroy the first Mikdash. He's standing, says the Pasuk, in the 19th year of the, king, of the kingship of of Nebuchadnezzar in front of the king in Yerushalayim. Pause for a second. Says the Gemara the king was not in Yerushalayim. Nebuchadnezzar did not make his way to Yerushalayim. What is the Pasuk talking about here in Sefer Yirmiyahu describing how the generals in front of the king in Jerusalem, umisadik Nebuchadnezzar Yerushalayim, did Nebuchadnezzar ever actually go to Jerusalem? I know he was behind the plan to destroy the Mikdash, but he himself never ever went there, at least at this juncture. Doesn't the Pasuk say, doesn't the Pasuk say they brought him up to the king of Babel, it says they went to a place called Rivlata, and the tradition is that's a place called Antukya. Where's Antukya? Rashi says that's not in Eretz Israel. How do you know it's not in Eretz Israel? Because the Gemara elsewhere, Masechet Gitin, and Daf Mem Dalit, makes clear that this place, Antukya, was outside of Eretz Israel, which means the same Bukhanetzah was not in Israel. Certainly wasn't in Jerusalem. So how was his general, so to speak, standing in front of him while not in Jerusalem? Again, this is somehow going to lead us back to the reference in the Pasuk of the slave knowing how to honor their master, Rav Hastav, Rav Yitzhak Bar Avudimi, the two Emoraim, uh, Rav Hasta and Rav Yitzhak Bar Avudimi, each uh, uh, suggest an explanation. Hadamar demutu yukano hayeta hakukalo al merkavto, hadamar emayetera hayeta lomi menu vidome kemisha omed lefanav. Each of them t- suggests a different interpretation, each one building upon the other. First one says there was an g- engraving on his chariot, that of Nebuzaradan, the general who's there to destroy the Mikdash, to wipe out Am Yisrael. There was a, a depiction, there was in his chariot, that of Demutu Diokin of Nebuchadnezzar, reminiscent, of course, of the Yaakov and Yosef story, where Yosef sees the Demutu Yukano Shel Aviv. So we read that story and we know that story of Yosef being saved from the sin with Potiphar, Eshet Potiphar, by seeing the image of his father. Here it is, as the Gemara, that's what the general sees at this time period as well. Either he has it physically chiseled into his side of his chariot, or alternatively, he has such an awe and reverence to the king, it always appeared as if the king was in front of him. Says the Gemara, that's the reference to Pasuk and Malachi, that the slave worships and knows how to appropriately honor their master. Pause for a second. And then again, question ourselves, what's the message here in the Gemara? We're just speaking positively about Nebuzaradan. I mean, you can't find a greater lowlife than him. Why are we praising him? 
Alternatively, it's a praise which is meant for us to internalize the message with regards to our appropriation of understanding, finding God in our lives. How is it that you associate with God? Do you only find God when he's quote-unquote standing in front of you? Do you only find him with the text of, of Torah in front of you in the synagogue when you're looking at the Aaron or the Sefer Torah? Are you able to find God in any and all circumstance? When you're in the chariot of, of battle, when you're in the, uh, the office of business, in any and all circumstances, are you, as Nebuzaradan was able to do with his master, the king, able to do so with your master, HaKadosh Baruch Hu? The Gemara is implicitly rebuking with each of these descriptions, each of us with regards to our loyalty, our ability to find God and attach ourselves to him in any and all circumstances. Continues the Gemara, Amar Rava, what happens now in the conquest to destroy the Mikdash? Ta'in telat me'a kudnayata. Says the Gemara, says Rava uh, Nebuzaradan, in his approach of the Mikdash, he, uh, he saddles, he brings together with him 300 mules. What's with the number 300? Three in the, in the words of the Hachamim is always a number of strength. Huta Mishulash Lobimhera Yinatek. A threefold chain, the vision of the Pasuk, the vision of the rabbis is it doesn't easily get broken. The triangular vision of a three something has a certain strength. So the number three already is a strength. A hundred is certainly a strength as well. In truth, historically, the way we write the number hundred, it's the first number that has three numerical places, right? That three has a certain strength. Two is already getting stronger. Three is the strength of Lobi Meira. Not quickly will it be destroyed. So the 300 description is he's coming with strength beyond anything more. Narga de parzala de shalit be parzala. He brings furthermore hammers which are made of iron that are able to craft or break iron, really strong hammers. So he's ready to break down these walls of Jerusalem. Nebuzaradan is Shadar le Nebuchadnezzar le Nebuzaradan kulhu balatinu hadasha dirushalayim sheneemar petucheha yahad ba keshil. Well, let me try to read this pasuk. Ba keshil vekelapot yahalomun. Uh, says the Gemara, the, the, he, he in turn, as he's there, he's, um, he's trying to break down even one gate of Jerusalem and he loses all of these utensils, meaning he's just not able to get through it as the Gemara has some sort of derasha from this pasuk. <coughs> There's one, they're trying to ba'el mehader. He wants to turn back. He says, I don't have a chance over here. I have my 300 mules, my 300 uh, strong hammers. I can't open a single dasha, a single gate. Amar mistafina de lalle avdu bi kihechi de avdu besanheriv. He says, I'm nervous that if I hang out over here, what happened to Sanheriv, the 185,000 generals who were destroyed miraculously by the hand of God, by the angels, going to happen to me? What am I going to do in this circumstance? I'm not succeeding. Should I stay? Should I turn back? Should I get out of here? Nafka kala, a heavenly voice comes out. Ve'amar, shevar bar shevar nevuzaradan. Shevar, shevar. Uh, 
And says the Gemara, what happens is a heavenly voice comes out and says, the leaper, the son of the leaper, or the sprinter, the son of the sprinter, for whatever reason, that's how they refer to Nebuzaradan, matazimna, jump, leap now, because the time has come for the Mikdash to be destroyed, for the Hechal to be Mikle, which means to be burnt. The moment is here, seize it. The momentum is with you to destroy but he's looking at himself and his deplenished troops. Not that they've died, but they're not being successful. Pashle had nargai. He has a single axe remaining. He turns the axe around, and instead of demonstrating and attempting to use his own strength in using the sharp side to break down the wall, he takes the dull side, which demonstrates in that context, in that situation, in the eyes of the rabbis, that's not my own strength which is going to break this. If the momentum is here, if God, so to speak, is with us in this destruction of his mikdash, of his people, well, then it's going to fall. And as a result, he takes the dull side against all the strength that he came with and attempted to breach the walls together with, and he breaks together with that. Shene Imam, another pasuk, Yivada, Kemevi, Lema'ala, Basadach, Etz, Kardumot. Says the Gemara, Havakatil ve'azil ademata lehechala. He's killing people as he approaches the hechal. The hechal is the inner sanctuary of the Mikdash. Adlik benura, he lights a fire to burn down the hechal of the Mikdash. Gava hechala. The hechal begins to ascend, which means to say in an above nature, out of nature uh, circumstance, the hechal is ascending, trying to avoid destruction, so to speak, which means to say that in some way, shape, or form, it's going to rise above nature and not allow for its own destruction. The vision of the hachamim is that from the heavens, they then stomp down on it. They push it down. So again, nature is, so to speak, rebelling against the reality of the time and the situation where the hechal is going to be burnt, the hechal on its own, personification at its best, is rising up and from the heavens they're pushing it down more than anything. The rabbis are demonstrating their vision, their understanding, their memory of God's role in the destruction. This was not just that the forces of a foreign nation and troops were able to destroy it. This was God's hand. So to speak, nature wanted it not to happen, but God stomped down on it. God breached those walls. That's where the rabbis are purposefully portraying this whole thing. Shene Emar, as the Pasuk says, again, in these contexts, in the eyes of the rabbis, Gat darach Adonai Liftulat Bat Yehuda. It's God who's being dorech, who's stomping down. Why do we mourn it? Quite the opposite. If it was just a chaotic circumstance and situation where they won and we don't know why, all right. So then, so I don't know if it's something to mourn. Then it's something to strategize. Let's just beat them. Let's build our strength. Alternatively, if this has to do with God, okay, but if it, I understand he wanted it because we were deficient in our connectedness to him. That's the mournfulness. We're, we're mourning our connectedness which was lost. We're searching and seeking for a reparation of that. Again, if it was just a strategic it's really, loss... So it's not really mourning for the loss of the Mikdash. Correct, correct, it's very clearly. It's mourning for our connection to God, which is represented through the physical in the, in the construction of the Mikdash. Says the Gemara, 
as he pulled this off, he killed people, massacres the people on his approach of the Mikdash, lights it on fire, sees it being destructed, he begins to get zihada'atib, to get hori. He's feeling good. He has an elevated state of mind. Nafka batkala, a heavenly voice, emerges uh, and says to him, Vamrale, ama katila katalat. You want to know who you killed? You killed an already dead nation. This was not your doing. I already killed them off, so to speak, says God. Again, the rabbis describing to us this was not the might of the uh, Babylonians. This was not the strategic planning of Nebuzaradan or Nebuchadnezzar. This was what was coming to us. Hechala kalya kalit. You burnt an already burnt hechal, sanctuary. Kimhat So to speak, you were only taking flour and further grinding it. You didn't take wheat and grind it. You took a nation which was already smothered, already flour, and just making it into further flour. Shene'emar, it's Doresha Pasuk, in which the description is, The Pasuk says, take a grinding stone, a millstone, and grind flour. The Pasuk doesn't say, take the wheat and, um, and do so to it. Says the Gemara, Hitim lo ne'emar ela kemah. It doesn't say that there was a hitim, that there was wheat. It rather says flour. It was already flour. Says the Gemara, and perhaps the most iconic, at least for me growing up, moment of the destruction of the Mikdash in the eyes of the rabbis, Hazah, he sees Nebuzaradan in this moment as he's in the Hechal, as he's lighting it on fire, as everything is going up in smoke and flames. He sees in the corner, in some circumstance, some place, the blood of Zechariah. Zechariah was the Kohen Gadol and a prophet. During the days of Yoash, he prophesied the loss of the Mikdash. He spoke to the people and predicted their downfall. He looked at their terrible state of worship and connectedness, and he rebuked them for it, and as a result, he was killed. And as a result, therefore, say the rabbis, in this moment, in their collective memory and legend, that's what Nebuzaradan sees, his blood, which is bubbling up and boiling. Amar lehu, he turns to the people around him, I guess, Am Yisrael, Nebuzaradan, asking them, he says, my hi, what is this? Amrule, they lie to him, instead of admitting to their culpability, instead of admitting to the fact that this is all their fault, they didn't listen to him in the past. They say it's dam zivahimu, you want to know what that is? That's some leftover blood which wasn't sprinkled on the altar. That's from the slaughtered animals for our, for our altar, for Amizbeach and this mikdash. That's all that is, because he sees something out of the norm. They correct him, that's not what it is. The ishtapich, it must have been spilled out. Amar lehu, he says, I don't believe you. Ayeti v'anaseh. Bring to me and I'll test this out. Imidamu kase. Excuse me. Imidamu. So he says, I want to see. I'm going to slaughter animals and see if it happens. Kase vela idamu. He says, idamu kase vela idamu. He sees uh, that the blood of slaughtered animals doesn't in any way resemble that blood of a human being, which is bubbling in the corner. Amar lehu. He turns to the people to Amisra and says, Galuli. Tell me what it really is. Reveal it to me. And if not, If not, I will scrape off your skin with an iron rake. Amrule, they answer him, Hai Kohen Venavihu. This was and is the blood of a Kohen, the high, high priest and prophet. The 
He prophesied about the destruction of Jerusalem, and we, meaning they, the people of his generation, they're the extension and descendants of it, killed him. The Gemara will only continue a few more lines in describing how Nebuzaradan becomes obsessed with that blood and looking for a way to quote-unquote appease it, but more than anything, the vision, the depiction in that moment for us is to be able to realize as the destruction's taking place, what's our mindset, Rabbi? Is it just the loss of Mikdash or is it alternatively an, in, an, an introspective state? Looking at that blood and saying, maybe I haven't been sensitive to the calls of God throughout. Maybe this was because of my own deficiency instead of seeing this as, so to speak, the success of the Bavel Nebuzaradan Amen. Amen.